there's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hi, thanks so much for joining us on our sixth episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today on the show, I'm talking to Catherine McBride, who owns her own executive recruiting firm. I've known Catherine since the fall of 1987, when we were both about to turn 12. Back then, she was known as K-May, that's capital K, capital M, lowercase a-y, and I was known as JJ, even though she was the only one who ever called me that, and more than 30 years later, she still does, even though it never caught on with anyone else. In many, many ways, Kay May and I are remarkably different people with very different backgrounds, upbringings, and interests, but we've always been close. When thinking about how I could program an episode to be released a week after the election, I thought it would make sense to talk to someone I had known a long time. Kay May told me that despite owning her own small business, she doesn't really know a lot about spreadsheets. But when we actually got to talking, she realized she had a lot to say. That happens a lot with people on this show. The thing is, very few of us feel like we have a good handle on everything there is to know about spreadsheets. But I actually think a lot of us have spreadsheet-based imposter syndrome. They are nothing to be feared, and you don't have to be an expert in all of their functionality to use them effectively in your work and your life. It was great to talk spreadsheets with Catherine, and I hope you enjoy learning a bit more about private wealth, which is a term I don't think I could have defined until this conversation. This chat was recorded on September 10th, and we're releasing it on November 10th. Please remember to wear your mask, Black Lives Still Matter, and Joe Biden is the president-elect. Also, a brief plug for my own work. I'll be telling stories in the York Story Slam Grand Slam and the Lancaster Story Slam Grand Slam this month, so please check my website for more info on these free online events. That's jamiebethcohen.com. Thanks so much. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to There's a Column for That. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you identify? what line of work you're in, do you have hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space, anything you want the listeners to know. Thank you for having me. First of all, Jamie Cohen. And uh, I, so uh, let's see, I'm from Pittsburgh. We grew up together in Pittsburgh. We've known each other a long, long time. I currently live in Los Angeles uh, and I'm an executive recruiter. I run my own private wealth executive search firm that I founded after I spent some time in private wealth uh, first. And I've been doing that for the last eight years. And um, I uh, love what I do. I really enjoy uh, recruiting. I love private wealth. And it's been a good um, way for me to leverage some of the skills that I developed when I was in private wealth to now run my own business. So I'm excited about that. And um, what do I do outside of work? I have two children. They are 12 and nine. And I spend a lot of time uh, parenting and raising them the best I can. They're active volleyball players, so I'm a volleyball mom. And um, I love to ride my Peloton. I'm obsessed with my Peloton. And um, it's what keeps me sane. And um, other than that, that's, that's about it. 
Can you explain for anyone who might not know what you mean when you say private wealth? Oh yeah, sure. So uh, private wealth is, is the space of uh, people who are managing money and helping advise wealthy families and individuals um, financially. So helping them understand what their goals are with their wealth, helping them make sound investment decisions, helping them make sound legacy planning decisions, how they want to donate to charity or what, how they want to leave money or wealth to their children and making sure that they are um, set up financially for success. I hear a dog barking. Who's your dog? That's Quinn. She's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Uh -huh. Tell me a little bit about how you interact with spreadsheets in your work or your life or both. Yeah, so in my current um, job as a recruiter, spreadsheets are an excellent way for me to track my activity. So I, for example, if I have a search that I'm working on in Miami, I will keep a spreadsheet that's generated from our database of all the people that I want to be reaching out to in Miami. And it's, uh, we call it a call list. We create a call list in Excel and I have it all sorted by the, the people that I want to call. We categorize them as hot, as warm, as low. And then we go after them and they had all, has all their phone numbers, has their current company and any recent contact we've had with them. It's all in the database. And if I were less um, old fashioned, I probably could use the database more interactively, but I like to have everything from the database pulled into a spreadsheet printed in front of me. And then I use my spreadsheets as a call list. So that's probably how I use Excel the most. So um, we talk also, about we talk okay. about that a lot because mm -hmm. so would you consider your database a CRM? Is that something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we talk about the difference between people who know how to call the information in a report from mm -hmm. from their CRM, yeah. or those who sort of pull everything they need into a spreadsheet and then manipulate the spreadsheet into what they need it to be. And so there definitely is a a divide between the people who are. So you said old fashioned, which is interesting that you say that because I guess that's how I learned to do it when CRMs didn't have robust reporting functions. Right. Now some of them do, although I do also work in the nonprofit area where the kinds of CRMs I'm working with are not very robust. So yeah, I don't. I my database is strong enough that, and then the the system we have has the functionality to not even be able to need to print all of that. In theory, I could have my screen up and I could type, view directly on my screen, type directly into my database and have it go right in. But I like a list. I like a list. I like to see it. I like to make physical notes on it. And so I use the Excel spreadsheet and I color code things with a highlighter and I cross them off and I write a note next to them. I have to duplicate it back into my database as well for tracking, but I, I like that Excel spreadsheet in front of me. So I'll have one for my searches in Miami. I'll have another one for my search in Washington, DC, another one for my search in, you know, in Boston. And then I have someone who helps me refresh them every week. And I print a brand new spanking new list on Monday morning. And that's how I um, organize myself for the week. 
Yeah, I, I work very much the same way. And I think there are definitely people listening right now who are pulling their hair out thinking you're duplicating work and you're, yes. you know, the user error going back and forth and more data entry. And I, I understand why they're pulling their hair out. I also understand why people like you and I do it the way that we do it. Yeah, I'm still learning to, to use the screen effectively. I, I, I still I still print things to read them when they when they, you know, a, a document that someone sends to me, a, a contract or something, I'll print it because I like to hold it in my hands and read it. And that's what the Excel spreadsheet gives me for my my call sheets. Yeah, when I was working in admissions, they were trans transitioning to an online application system. And they, mm -hmm. the company was so excited about the, you know, removing the need for data entry. And I was yeah. like, yeah, but data entry is how I get to know the applicants. Yeah. So if it's, I, it's more likely I'm gonna retain something about someone if I'm the one typing it into the various yeah. fields. Absolutely. I am less likely to retain it if I'm just running a report and trying to put all that information into my head at one time. Or if you were just scanning documents into right. a, into a database that holds the actual application or the document, yeah, right. you're not going to get the same absorption as if you actually read it and interpreted it and had to recreate it in right. the database. Yeah. Right. Cool. I also use spreadsheets. Um, we are small, a small business and we don't have um, a business manager. We, we, we keep track of our own invoicing. So I joked with you that I use a spreadsheet to count my money. I do. I have a, a, a spreadsheet that tracks fiscal year invoices, um, what we've sent out, invoice number, and then I track when it comes in. And so I can periodically check in and see how the year is going and what I'm owed when and, and when I need to follow up. So again, my database has functionality for that, but I just keep it in a spreadsheet. Do you, are you the kind of person that uses spreadsheets in your, your roles as mother, wife, runner of a household, or is that not something, if you're planning a vacation, do you have a spreadsheet or? No, I'd still, I'm st I use more the old fashioned piece of paper. I keep saying old fashioned, but the old fashioned piece of paper where I just have a list of things that I need to do with, and I put an open checkbox next to them and then I check them off when I'm done. That's, I haven't quite adapted to the virtual tools that exist for managing lists of things to do. Or like if I were looking at a if I were trying to organize a vacation, I'd put that on a piece of paper by hand versus in a spreadsheet. Okay. Yeah. What's the biggest or your favorite problem, project, or program that you've tackled with a spreadsheet? And I'm guessing your whole business might be, <laughs> might be the answer to that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I used to do, I mean, when I worked at Bernstein, I did uh, a lot of uh, budget management. And so we used to do the entire compensation grid for uh, a team of 300 people. And that was all in Excel, but I always found myself not competent enough to not screw it up. So there would be, you know, a template would be sent and then I would want to do things and not know how to do them well enough. So I always thought, I wish I were better at Excel because I probably could manipulate this data more easily rather than just, um, you know, sort and filter. I, I can do those basic things, but I'm not a, not a real guru by any means. Well, that's, we talk a lot about what the limits of spreadsheets are. And I think what's come up a number of times is that they are, to a certain extent, counterintuitive and mm -hmm. not 
very easy to learn. So people tend to get very good at the things they do repeatedly and then don't even know that there are other things they could be doing. Or, so you're talking about being nervous. I mean, I remember in the early days of working with Excel, I would sort one column, but that column was related to all the other columns and I didn't realize that I wasn't sorting the other columns with it and, and uh -huh. ruin a spreadsheet. Yeah. And so it does sort of engender that panic of, right. I could click on one thing and not only could it screw it up, but if I'm not paying attention, I might not realize I've screwed it up. So all of a sudden, instead of having Jamie Beth Cohen, you have Jamie Beth McBride. And if you don't right. know who that person is, you're not going to realize that it's been yeah. screwed up. Yeah. And I have visions of things I'd like to be able to do with my spreadsheets that I don't know how to do. And sometimes like recently I pulled out, um, I made a pivot table for something and I was so proud. It, I had to, I had to refresh my memory on how to do it. Cause I probably learned how to do it like seven, um, versions of Excel ago, but I had to sort of find out how to do it in the modern Excel, but I made a pivot table and I was so proud. That's huge. Like that I know, is, I know. it's interesting to me that you still feel unsure of certain things because pivot tables are the end all be all you've arrived in Excel. No, to me, the moment you arrive is when you can count, when you can put in a date. I've always wanted to know how to do this, where you put in a date and you count how long it is from that date. So going back to my invoicing issue, if I could put in the invoice was sent on January 15th and then have it you know, do something, turn red or put an X in a column when it was more than 30 days late. That would be something I'd love to know how to do, but I've never tackled it. So I believe that's, a, I believe that's something that can be done with a formula and conditional formatting. Yes. So I will look into that. And if I figure right. it out before this episode goes live, I will post it in the show notes. What's the date you sent it? What's the current date? What's the delta between those two dates? And if it's greater than something, do this. Right. I know we, I can do that. It should be able to do that. I just don't have the patience to figure it out. Wow. I'm, I'm here for you. So we'll That's figure it out. That's my Excel dream. <laughs> that should be a new question. What is your Excel dream? Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, so do you... I mean, we talked a little bit about the limits and what kind of problems they can't solve. Do you have more you'd like to say about that? No. I, if we were talking about the limitations of my database, I could tell you for, for hours. But for Excel, I mean, again, I, to me, it's all about putting things in and sorting them. And as long as I can sort, and I love the feature of sorting by this, then that, right? Like a, give me all of the people... In, and sorting alphabetically and then by this, I feel proud that I know how to do that. Uh, and I use that functionality a lot, but I can't think of anything that I've wanted to do recently that I think Excel can't do. I can think of lots of things that Excel can, can do that Catherine can't do. So that's, that's, the, that's the gap for me. Awesome. Uh, these are a couple of rapid fire questions. Uh, so we've talked a lot about Excel. Do you use other spreadsheets like Google Sheets or something else? And are you generally a Mac, PC, tablet, or phone person? I use a Mac and I don't like when people use Google Documents or Google Spreadsheets because I get frustrated because they're different. So I'm, I'm, I'm angry when, when the school sends me a Google Sheet or something like that because it's not what I'm used to. 
So I, I'm an Excel person through and through and, and math all the way too. Do you have a favorite command or function in Excel? Some of the above. Count my money. <laughs> That's funny because I thought you were saying S-O-M-E of the above, meaning no. to be able to sort by this, then this. <laughs> no, no, no. Just S-U-M. <laughs> Yeah, just S-U-M. <laughs> um, how do you feel about color coding, either cells or typeface or both? Someone told me recently that, you, that color coding can actually be an effective sorting mechanism. It can now. I did not know this. It didn't I, used I, to be. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's an interesting idea. It, it seems that it should have been figured out a long time ago, but yes, you used, you know, you're going through a spreadsheet and you highlight 10 rows and then you realize there, there used to be no way to do anything with that. So then I started putting a column off to the left and I would put an X in my highlighted rows so that then I could go back and sort and indicate that those were highlighted. So yeah, that, I think that's great if it, you know, if you could make it meaningful. It, it, it works. works. So I, because I came to the program before that was possible, I would highlight and I would sort, but they were not tied to each other. So mm -hmm. for example, if I wanted to see all of the essays I had published this year, mm -hmm. I would sort on pub date, but they would all be purple but they would all be purple because I colored them purple and put the pub date in. And so yeah, my yeah. colors tended to stick together because they, they were meant to, but I wasn't, it was that other field that I was using to sort. I just had a really weird project for my publisher, which, in, the, in which this came in super handy, which was in order to do a targeted keyword ad in Amazon for my book, mm -hmm. I had to come up with 750 words to keyword. So if anyone searched Pittsburgh, my book might come up. If anyone searched lacrosse, my book might come up. Mm -hmm. And so about 50 of them were, were word search terms. The other 700 were authors and book titles. The author only counted once the book title counted each time. So if someone wrote six books that I wanted to link my search to, it was the name of the book that counted six times and the name of the author only counted one time. Mm -hmm. So in building this spreadsheet, I color coded any author that only appeared once had no color. Any author that appeared more than once, the first time they appeared, they were yellow. The rest of the time they were orange. Okay. So that when I wanted to sort how many unique authors okay. I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sorted by orange, ignored them, and then counted the yellow and the white ones. Right. I don't know right. how else I would have done that because I didn't want to dedupe the sheet. Like I didn't, I wanted those authors to show up six times. Oh my God, deduping. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute. But I needed to know who wrote which book, but I only needed to count each author count once. And yeah. so the only way I could do that, that I figured out, was, was color coding and sorting that way. Yeah, I think at one point I knew how to dedupe things too. 
from my marketing days. And I also, the other feature that I always think about is concatenating. Is that, is that what that is? It comes up all the time together, on this podcast. Or break, breaking them apart or putting them together? So concatenate is bringing them together. Um, I used to call the breaking them apart text to column. I mean, that's what the okay. old function was. Is where you right. Take- you get a column that says Catherine McBride, and you want to put Catherine in one column and McBride in the other column. Yeah. I used to know how to know how to do that. I haven't done that in a long time though. Yeah, I know both of those things. But yeah, for this sheet, I couldn't dedupe because I needed right. to know needed who to wrote. Count. Yeah. But I didn't. But I couldn't count them twice. So right. I finished that project today, and I'm so glad to be done with it. Thank you, Excel. Thank so you. So you knew were able to sort by the the highlighting that that helped. Okay. Yes. I don't trust it completely because it's still new to me, but this project I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. What's one thing about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know? I can't think of anything that people don't know. That's fair. Although I have to tell you, you came up with pivot table and concatenate, which are two things that not everyone knows. So there you go. I don't know that deduping, I don't know. I, I use deduping frequently in my speech and in my Excel spreadsheets. I work in an educational setting. We work with a lot of families. So if you have six students, but you have eight parents, well, is the mailing going to the parents or is the mailing going to the students? And do you want to dedupe and only send it to each student? And so that's something that was so necessary for my role Um, and something that a, I didn't know you could do automatically. I was doing that uh, manually for a while. And then someone taught yeah. me how to do it uh, with a function and it, it changed everything. You mentioned that we grew up together. I don't know if I ever dragged you into what we used to do at my dad's office where free word processors, so typewriters, mm-hmm. he would set up a recruiting mailing and then we would take the envelopes and put them in zip code order mm-hmm. so that they could be bulk mailed. Yeah. So we, did the, we did it by hand, the physical. Yeah. Now you could do a mail merge and put your print your labels all in order it would be yes easy peasy yes yeah i've become obsolete uh so we already talked about pivot tables oh look at that yay we did i do know how to make a pivot table and you know why right i know why to make pivot tables yeah what purpose they serve sure yeah tell me tell me how many people uh, work at this company in my spreadsheet or tell me how many people live in Los Angeles on my spreadsheet. That's what I use it for. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And we also talked a little bit about CRMs and spreadsheets. And I think you and I use them very similarly. I sort of run a report that gives me the maximum data I could need. And then I hand manipulate my spreadsheet because I trust that. Yeah. And it's not live data. I understand that, but I, it's, it's my, my whoobie. It's my blanket. I have my spreadsheet and it's all there and I can look at it and I know that I can see my progress on it too. I like to cross stuff out and, you know, see that I've made calls or done what I need to do for the day. It's all in my spreadsheet. Well, with the caveat that we are recording this in early September and it likely won't air until after the November election, is there anything that you would like to plug any cause. I know you do some volunteer work in the community. Anything you would like to share with the listeners, now is your time to do it. If it's after the election and Donald Trump is president, I don't know that you're gonna find me in the United States anymore. I'll, I'll be somewhere else. 
That's fair. God save our country, if that's the case. Yeah. That's all I have to say. That's fair. What about media that you're consuming right now? Books, TVs, podcasts? Yeah, I, I know. I really like Michelle Obama's podcast. I've, I've gotten on the Michelle Obama bandwagon, and I, I totally recognize that it's a bandwagon, but I'm on it. I really liked her book. I just find her to be so um, relatable, and so I've been listening to her to her podcast. I listen to The Daily. That's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, I like that one. I'm waiting. There's, they released today the second episode about Brianna Taylor and her background and how, how everything came to be with her. So I, I actually should go for a walk when we're done so I can listen to that. Um, but those are the two that I, I most, most follow. And the last question is a question that you get to ask me about anything. Where does your love of spreadsheets come from? Where did this come from for you? That is a great question. The first time I remember using like Excel, well, so that's, I'm gonna go back even further. I don't know if you remember this, but I was the business editor of our yearbook senior year. Sounds familiar. And I'm not sure why or how I ended up there because math was certainly not my strong suit. Mm -hmm. But I think there was some level of having to sell ads and that didn't scare me. So it was sort of like, yeah, I can sell ads. Mm -hmm. So I must have used some sort of spreadsheet. And it's funny that you talk about old fashioned paper and pencil because really I was making spreadsheets with a paper and pen and probably graph paper before I was using a computer to do them. Yeah, so, we didn't use Excel in high school, did we? Did it no, exist? No, well, I'm sure it existed. I know that I used WordPerfect before I used Word, oh, and right. I don't know what the equivalent of a, a spreadsheet program would have been, but no, we did not, we certainly didn't learn to use spreadsheets in high no, school. No, we learned to type on typewriters. Well, I learned that in fifth grade. That was before you came to school. Seventh grade. Seventh grade, we had typing class. Wow. In that little okay. tiny room by the library. And right. we typed on the typewriters. Right. That was seventh grade. Okay. That, yeah. See, there's something, I mean, if you were there, then it was seventh grade. Um, it was next to the fifth grade classroom. I know that. So maybe that's why I was confused. So yes, we learned to type on typewriters. When I was working at Mark Morris Dance Group in New York, we were WordPerfect, which I actually greatly preferred to Word, but WordPerfect no longer exists. So my love of spreadsheet comes from, and actually you and I haven't talked about this, but we talk about this a lot on the podcast. I use spreadsheets for words. I'm, I don't use them for number. The way you make a call list is using it for words, right? right? What city is someone in? What, you know, are they my hot candidate? Are they my medium candidate? Even though phone numbers are numbers, you're not treating them as data that you're going to do formulas with. Right. Although I would say when I was doing private school admissions, we did a lot of, like we would sort by um, zip code or we would sort by area code to try to gauge where people were coming mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. So... I use spreadsheets the way a word person uses spreadsheets as opposed to a number person. Although when I was running a financial aid program, I had to learn how to use it for numbers. But my love of spreadsheet comes from taking a large problem and breaking it down into cells and components. So for Mm -hmm. example, uh, my list of things to do for work 
is an Excel spreadsheet. I have mm -hmm. never found a program or an app that works better for me than my Excel spreadsheet list of things to do. And I actually, Senor Ola, yeah. never my teacher, uh -huh. but who was your teacher and always had the L-O-T-T-D, right? Like, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So that's what they're all named. My work yep. spreadsheet is named L-O-T-T-D. Uh-huh. And it is sorted by, or it can be sorted by, the columns are the date I added the project, uh -huh. what part of my job it relates to. Is it something I'm doing for my dean? Is it something I'm doing for a faculty member? Is it something I'm doing for my program director? So if I need to sort by sort of everything the field education program needs in one moment, I can see it. Then it's sort of the text of what I need to be doing, the date that it's due, who I'm waiting on. So mm -hmm. say it's due September 1st, but I'm waiting on the dean to get me some critical information. That's okay because she's my boss and she's going to get me the information when she mm -hmm. needs to. I yeah. had wanted to finish it by September 1st, but I can't help that. And then a, then a column for when it's actually done. And, yeah. and that's been really helpful because it allows me to see my whole job in one snapshot. And then I can look back year to year and say, what was I doing in October last year? Is there anything I should be doing right now that I was doing last October, but somehow hasn't made it onto my list this October? So you keep the done stuff on the spreadsheet too, even when it's done? So I, color, I gray it out. Okay. And I sort it, the way my sorting is set up, it is at the very top. So I, every time I open it, I scroll below the grayed out. And that's how I look at it all day. Then you pat yourself on the back. It's and then you very, start the work to be done. Yeah. It's very gratifying. And I also, I, I make a new sheet every six months. So I work in an academic environment. So I have January to June and July to December. So I'm not looking at years of done tasks. I'm looking at about six months of done tasks. Yeah, I, I've not thought about doing anything like that with, with managing my list of things to do. I still have my L-O-T-T-D with my right. paper. I will occasionally, and the pandemic has changed everything for me because now I'm working both from home and at the office. And so it, I needed to be a little bit more mobile um, but I d still will <laughs> little window into Jamie's head. If I'm leaving the office on Tuesday and I know the first thing I want to tackle on Wednesday, I will put a spreadsheet. Uh, I'm sorry. I will put a sticky note right in front of my keyboard mm -hmm. so that I do that before I even open my list of things to do. Because occasionally I will open a list of things to do and see a bunch of things that aren't really urgent, but that I know that I can knock out fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, it's three o'clock and I haven't done the thing I knew I should have done. Right. So I will put just a physical hard sticky in front of my keyboard and say like, do not do anything before you do this. So I have to trick myself sometimes. Sticky notes are a dangerous way to run your life. So with the, with the pandemic, because I'm working both from my office two days a week and from home three days a week, and then when I'm working at home, I might be at the kitchen table, I might be in the den, I might be in my bed, I might be at the dining room table, I did start doing a sticky note system, which again mm -hmm. is telling me really to look at my list of things to do, on, you know, and I've moved that from Excel on my mm -hmm. desktop at work to mm -hmm. a Google Sheet, which has far less functionality, which is why I think I also need the stickies, but so that I can see it both when I'm at work and I'm at home. 
Um, the stickies have saved my life in the pandemic, but I do agree with you that they are not a it's great a risky way, to run. way to run your life. I agree. They unstick. I agree. I'm looking at all my Excel spreadsheets I have up right now. I have call sheets. I have my money spreadsheet. I have a list of companies that I'm going to pursue for new business development. It's all, it's all, it's all, like you said, it's word. It's mostly words. Right. Instead of numbers. I'm, I, there's not other than the invoice tracking there's nothing happening with with numbers yeah it's just i really feel like it is i gravitated towards it because it's how i live my life here's the big problem how many smaller things can i break it into i remember when i was trying to help um sam my husband sort of come up with a list of things to do that worked for him and i watched him make it i gave him my template i'm famous for giving out my my excel templates um, mm -hmm. and it was like, so this is back when he was working in a high school and it would say, you know, newspaper field trip. And I was like, I'm sorry, you need permission slips. You need a transportation, you need deadlines. You, and, and so the way he thinks is I have to plan the field trip. And the way I think is what six things do I have to do to consider yeah. the field trip plan? Yeah. So yeah. that's just how my, my brain works like a spreadsheet, but a spreadsheet for words, not for numbers. Well, I'll take some of your templates. You can send them along. Oh, I'd love to. My list of things to do template is amazing. And okay. the joke is I, when someone tells me they're pregnant or they're engaged, I frequently forget to say congratulations and often say, oh, do you want my spreadsheets? <laughs> <laughs> Which, like I, your registry list and your all that what to take to the hospital, what to, you know, what you really need, what you don't really need. Mm -hmm. um, as you probably remember, I had several wedding ceremonies. So there was a whole like cross-reference yep. of who was invited to which party. And I don't need your spreadsheets for babies anymore. No, thank God. No. And but my best, my best template, yeah. the, the one I use most frequently, that I share frequently now is for my freelance work. So What's the article idea? Who am I pitching to? Who have I already pitched? What did I hear back? How long did it? So the thing that's been most useful on that is here's when I pitched, here's when I followed up, here's when I followed up second time, a third time, here's when I heard back from someone. So if I pitch that same editor six months later, I can see, ah, it took me three follow-ups and she finally did get back to me. So then I'm not afraid to follow up with her three times. Whereas if I have someone that I followed up with three times and never heard back from, chances are if I don't hear back from the first time, I'm not gonna hear back from them and I move on more quickly. You need that date function that I was telling you about. So you can put a counter in to count how many days it's, in, it's been in between each follow-up. I'm gonna look into that for you. Yeah, it works. My, my, somebody, the um, woman who works for me, we have a spreadsheet that says when we started each search, and how many days have passed since the contract was signed. And she figured out how to do it. She has some kind of counter in there. And it says for each search, it's been 33 days or 48 days. It, it can be done. I don't know how to do it though. Uh, Gmail introduced a new function. So for freelancers, it's like the worst where they would notify you that it's been three days since you sent an email and you hadn't heard back from the person yet. And I was like, yeah, please stop telling me they're ignoring me. Stop rubbing that in my face. Oh, I don't want that. No, I turned that off right quick.
Well, thanks for talking to me about spreadsheets. Anything else you want to share with the audience? I feel like you have so much dirt and you're just sitting there on the other end of the line smiling. No, no, I don't have, no, you've gotten all, you've gotten all the Excel spreadsheet wisdom out of me that I have. And I didn't even know I had as much as I did. I've been, I was surprised with my, with my own uh, spreadsheet prowess. I meant more about dirt on me, but that's okay because oh, oh, I have equal oh. amount of dirt on you. I, uh, I appreciated your spreadsheet wisdom and I'm going to look into that count function. I think I have a, a spreadsheet guru who might have an answer for us. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.